Good morning, everybody. I actually wanted to read and talk about Africa. I downloaded this paper by accident. And while summarizing it, it was interesting enough to continue. Neurosurgery as we know it today is a rather young specialty that evolved remarkably fast in the last 100 years. Not only in diagnostics and treatments, but also on the, on the educational side, as most residents are part of a structured, competence-based program. But there is still a huge gap between developed and developing countries. This article, with the title Review of Global Neurosurgery Education, Horizon of Neurosurgery in the Developing Countries, is actually a summary of a congress in Beijing, organized by the World Federation of Neurologi Neurological Surgeons in 2019. They discussed stages of development in neurosurgical education in their countries. The article is from Yoko Kato, one of the eminent leaders in neurosurgery and an inspiration for female neurosurgeons. She was also the organizer of the Congress and appears to be an inspiration for female neurosurgeons. By inviting guest speakers from a number of different countries and various continental societies, this symposium provided an opportunity to overview the current facilities in the developing countries. The article starts with summarizing the history neurosurgical education in Asia. I will list some interesting facts. In Myanmar, the local training program only started in 2016, but 16 neurosurgeons have graduated and in this local training program, 36 neurosurgical trainees are working. The Philippines was the first country in the southeast of Asia to have a neurosurgery service. Pakistan seems to be a front runner when it comes to neurosurgery. It began in 1951 with a special spinal tumor resection surgery and three professors, Professor Bashir Ahmed, Professor Kwasi and Professor Joma were the pioneers who started neurosurgery and have trained young neurosurgeons to provide in all basic services. The Pakistan Society of Neurosurgeons was established in 1987 with 22 neurosurgery and general surgeons. They saw an exponential growth in neurosurgery and their modernization. Prior to 1970, Neurosurgical procedures in Bangladesh were just performed by general surgeons. It was Professor Rashid Uddin Ahmad, the founding father of neurosurgery, that started in 1970. The first neurosurgery ward at that time was with six beds only. At the moment, there is a five-year neurosurgery master program and that started in 1997. Now that was some history, but 
What about the current situation in Asia? The article collected information on local neurosurgical training programs and listed all this in very nice tables. The tables present the number of neurosurgical training centers, the uniformity in terms of the curriculum, if there is a necessity for prior general surgery training, what kind of training, and they divide between structured program or apprenticeship, the duration of training, the requirement for a broad fellowship program, and if it is recognized by the World Federation of Neurosurgery Fellowship Training. Interestingly, all these parameters are very variable between countries. In Sri Lanka, the basic neurosurgery education takes three and a half years of general surgical training, followed by two-year local neurosurgery training and two-year training abroad. In Malaysia, training as a medical officer for two years is required before enrollment in a four-year master program. Both Thailand and Bangladesh have just a five-year program. In Indonesia, only the government universities are allowed to conduct neurosurgical training programs and must have at least one neurosurgical professor, three PhD neurosurgeons with standard facilities and a minimum number of surgeries per year. Indonesia has trained 376 neurosurgeons. In Myanmar, there are only four well-equipped neurosurgical centers, and this for a population of 54 million people. This country, Myanmar, also has the lowest ratio of neurosurgeons per 100,000 population, a ratio of 0.043. This ratio is the highest in Uzbekistan, with almost a ratio of 1. Numbers that maybe maybe sound as very very low, but are still much better than what we see in African countries, and actually even range in uh, the range that the Western countries aim for. The most interesting program is actually from Vietnam. There, due to a limited number of neurosurgeons with a high volume of workloads, the training system has been structured to allow basic neurosurgical training of three years. After this basic training, neurosurgeons serve in district hospitals, especially for neurotrauma. The unique regarding this service is that one neurosurgeon can bring with them an anesthesiologist and nurses and bring it to the local hospital for a duration of three months to run services and conduct teaching. Only after two years of service there, those neurosurgeons will continue their training in subspecialization centers for another three years. In Kazakhstan, the Kazakh National Center for Neurosurgery is one of the 50 neurosurgical specialized centers in the country. This center has trained 41 residents in neurosurgery and has future plans 
with the establishment of a rail surgery, first in acquiring hybrid technology and molecular studies. For more data on other countries, have a look at the tables in the article. I already mentioned some data on the amount of neurosurgeons per population. Developed countries aim for a ratio of one neurosurgeon per 80,000 population. This is totally different in the developing countries, where a shortage of neurosurgeons are clear. There is a ratio of one neurosurgeon per 10 million population, and an estimated number is that nearly 23,000 more neurosurgeons are required to be trained globally to treat at least 5 million essential neurosurgical cases each year. And these ratios are much worse in Africa, where we have ratios of neurosurgeons to population ranging from 1 to 2.7 million to 1 to 12 million in Ethiopia and an average of 1 to 7.9 million population for the whole African country. The first number, 1 to 2.7 million, the best of Africa, was actually from Kenya. But we also have to mention that there are certain spots with interesting initiatives. They are present or presented by the World Federation of Neurosurgery Foundation, the Cure Children Hospital in Uganda, the Bethany Kids Hospital in Kijabe, also in Kenya, and all these initiatives led to the improvement of the ratio of neurosurgeons to a population from 1 to 10.7 million in 2004 to 1 to 1.3 million in 2018. Shortly, the nice initiatives in Africa are from the Continental Association of Neurosurgical Societies, from the Asian Congress of Neurosurgery, from the Yoko Kata Foundation, from FEEN, which is the Foundation of International Education in Neurosurgery, and so on. Apart from the astonishing shortages in the developing countries, there is also a clear uneven distribution of neurosurgeons in different parts of the country. For example, more than 40% of neurosurgeons work in Kathmandu, serving only 14% of the total population. Uzbekistan has had problems due to lack of instruments, cadaveric courses, simulation centers and of course the brain drain to continue their numbers. And currently, in Cambodia, there are only 28 practicing neurosurgeons in a country of 16 million people. Then, where are the gaps? There is a lack of training facilities, such as cadaveric dissections. There is no standardization of neurosurgery training programs, and there is a no possibility for skills assessment. Brain drain is also in the neurosurgical field a big problem in these countries. But again, there are also some positive signs. Like in Karachi, where you have the only World Federation of Neurosurgery recognized center, 
that has held more than 40 hands-on workshops, conferences and courses and has trained multiple young neurosurgeons in Parkinson. Another nice example is the Cure Hydrocephalus and Spina Bifida Fellowship that offered an intensive pediatric speciality training program for trainees in an eight-week training period and is held in the Cure Children Hospital in Uchamna. Having access to diverse but necessary technical equipment is a must to educate your neurosurgeons. If we are looking closer to Europe, Albania only has two departments of neurosurgery and both neurosurgery services are limited to the capital city. Though, this is complemented with telemedicine, so that now more than two-thirds of patients can remain in the regional hospital and only a much smaller group has to be transferred to the tertiary hospitals for neurosurgery service. Interestingly, and also a bit funny, they mention that in Pakistan they use the same book as we do here in Belgium, the Greenberg Handbook of Neurosurgery. They end the article with some future aspirations. In the past, high income training that takes care of trainees from the low or middle income countries was effective in accelerating neurosurgery education. For sure, the concept mentor-mentee seems to be successful. This mentor concept is ultra important and even in Western countries not appreciated enough. The special connection between a mentor and his mentee is often a relation for life that leads to a genuine loyalty in both directions. Like Professor Edward Bentle said, we retain 90% of what we do or teach, while we only retain 50% of what we hear and see. If you want to read more on mentorship and its connections and possibilities in medicine, have a look in the show notes where you find a very nice article from the New Yorker on the subject. Then they give a couple of examples that might inspire other future directions. There is the Federal Center of Neurosurgery, FCN, in TUMEN, which is a venue for the Asian Council of Neurosurgery and hosts the educational courses. Many residents, from whom 14% of developing countries have attended these programs. FCN also created excellent facilities for comprehensive education. They integrate 3D anatomic simulations and a vet laboratory allowing trainees to close to real operative conditions and train their skills in microsurgical and endoscopic approaches. Exercises in the laboratory are complemented with the possibility to observe 3D live surgeries in a perfectly equipped conference hall. Another initiative is coming from the Latin American Federation of Neurosurgical Societies, who organizes multiple courses, and interestingly, 
divide and standardize and research the training program in five levels. He knows things, he knows how things, he shows how things, he does things, and he does better things. More details on how these five phases and levels are described, you can find in the article. The Southeast Europe Neurosurgical Society, the SEAS, gathers neurosurgeons from 14 countries and is organizing congresses. Digital companies with high educational impact, such as the WFNS Young Neurosurgeons Forum Stream, Brainbook, Neuromind, Upsearch On, the Neurosurgical Atlas, which I use most, Touch Surgery, and the 100 UCLA subjects in neurosurgery are good examples of important educational materials. The rest of the article sums up other initiatives that are trying to give young neurosurgeons a chance to be educated in the best way. To conclude, they state that to achieve a true global neurosurgery, the concept of an international consensus in ensuring sound knowledge and a world-certifying body is essential. The training curriculum based on an examination model with high standards and international validity should be the next strategy. The needs for subspecialization have been catalyzed by the exponential growth in neurosurgical knowledge. So subspecialization in neurosurgery itself will lead and help innovation and development of neurosurgery. This was it. It's a good article. The Congress must have been important too. And um, yeah, next recording will probably be focused more on um, education in Africa. So uh, talk to you soon. Have a good day. Bye.